0: contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. Welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors. Real contractors, true stories, real solutions. My name is Brad Hebner, and I will guide you on your journey to mastery of your construction business. You can find Hammer and Grind on all the social media platforms. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast. Now, if you're looking for more help, you can check out our free Facebook group called The Contractor Profit Group. I do free trainings in there and it's a great community to be a part of. Now, if you're serious about making more money, saving more time, and creating a business that supports your lifestyle, check out my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. I've put together a proven system for creating a winning business. Now, listen, I'm so confident that you will succeed in my program. I'm now offering a 10x ROI guarantee. That means if you don't make at least a 10x return on your investment within a 12-month period, I will refund you the full amount. You can find out more information about The Profit Club at hammeringgrind.com forward slash Club. All right, on today's episode, we got a special guest today. He's our second time on the podcast, Robert Molinae. Robert is a man who has committed himself to being the fulcrum of change for how the male shows up in his family's lineage. He's a father, a husband, a business owner, and he's constantly working to find out what the road to self-mastery has in store. Robert, thanks again for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brad. So I, I asked Robert to jump on here because I wanted to do a little bit different format with the podcast. And I, I wanted to have people on here to really have more of a conversation about specific things. Uh, not really an interview style where I'm asking a bunch of questions, but really just two people, two contractors talking about different aspects of business and what that means to us. So Robert came on. We're going to be talking about being intentional. I know Robert's very much about being intentional in everything that he does. I am as well, so I'm excited to have this conversation. I hope you stick around and listen because I think there's going to be a lot of gold nuggets in here. So, Robert, what's your thoughts on intention? Being intentional, like what's the thirty thousand foot view for, for Robert? Great question.
1: I mean, I, I think in summary, it's that you get to choose, right? You get to choose. You get to choose where to spend your time. You get to choose your actions. You get to choose
0: your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's across the board. That's not just business, right? I mean, you, you're, you're the type of person who's very intentional in all, every aspect of your life. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> try to figure it out like everybody else. <laughs> well, I mean, knowing a little bit about you and your background, I've known you for a couple of years now. Uh, I mean, I know that, and, I, and I've seen your kind of come up, if you will, in your business. And I know that of all the people that I know personally, you're probably one of the most intentional people that I've met should talk to my wife it drives her crazy (laughs) (laughs) no I appreciate that so what does that mean like I don't think people fully understand this concept of being intentional like you probably are more intense about being intentional than I am like more purpose you have more purpose behind it but I think most people and this is, a over, this is a generalization, obviously. But I think most people react to their day every day. Like they wake up. Yeah, they have an agenda. Like, hey, I need to get these jobs done. I need to call these people back. But for most people, they're just reacting to the day. Would you agree or disagree with that statement?
1: I 100% agree. I think the majority of the population is definitely reactive, which
0: is what separates you know, the world's most successful people is their actions. So what, what, do, you, what do you think... As a society, how is that? How have we gotten to that? Because I don't believe, like way back in the day, you know, I don't care how far you go back, caveman times or whatever. Like, I, I think over time we've gotten more and more lax. What do you think is the cause of that? Like, how how do we get to that point as a society where we're just reacting all the time? I didn't know we were going deep here. So. <laughs>
1: That's a that's a deep question. As a society, I I don't know. I could tell you that we are our world is full of distractions. So I would say it is probably more challenging to be intentional with your time in 2022 than it was in 1022. You know, there's a million things coming at us at a million miles an hour. Everybody's vying for five seconds of our time for whatever their cause is. And at the end of the day, it all comes down to we all only have the same amount of hours and minutes in our week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Would you? I think, my, me personally, I believe that a lot of it is just because of the distractions, right? I mean, obviously, in caveman times, all you had to worry about was don't get eaten by a dinosaur, depending on if you believe they were around that same time, but don't don't get eaten by a dinosaur, kill the food, and then cook it. You know, and that was like the things you had to worry about. Now, from whenever we wake up first thing in the morning, and I'm guilty of this as well. Like I had to purposely, and here again, being intentional, I had to put this into my routine. So the first hour when I wake up, I can't look at my phone. Like I just, I'm not allowed to look at my phone. I do my, more of my, you know, visualization, meditation, prayer time. That stuff happens the first hour before I look at my phone because I know the second I look at my phone, I'm distracted. I got email notifications, Facebook notifications, all these different things that can distract me. Just like this morning, for example, as soon as I jump on Facebook, I usually jump on there and, and look and see if there's any posts in the, the contractor groups. And, you know, and I'll respond to some messages and stuff. But as soon as I get in that mode, I'll look up and 20 minutes later, I've been scrolling through Facebook. You know, I've been scrolling through different things because I just got distracted with some, you know, a video or a post or something. And I think that's like our attention span is so short now that we almost don't even know how to pay attention and be intentional with our daily lives. I mean, what's your thoughts on all that?
1: I agree 100% with the first hour thing. I think the challenge in that is it's very easy for people to tell themselves they're, they're doing all the right things, right? It's very easy to say, oh, well, I didn't check my email for the first hour. And there's, there's studies out there that's proven knowledge that if you interact with whatever email, social, whatever, you know, the outside world during that critical first hour, that it changes how your brain operates, right? You're, you're stimulating different parts of your brain at a very critical time of the day. And, you know, I would argue that it will drastically change the road that your day will go down. I would even argue that the success or failure of your day is Largely determined by that first hour of your day, that, that could be something to be argued. You know, I'd be curious. I, I've had this conversation with a few people. I'd be curious where you leave your phone at night when you go to sleep.
0: Well, I have mine next to, on my nightstand, and that's just because I use the alarm function. I mean, that's really the only thing. I've I've been looking for a like a Bluetooth alarm that I could actually have the alarm on my nightstand and put my phone away from my nightstand. But that's I know the kind of the route you're going down, and I. I'm like right there with you. <laughs> I just haven't successfully removed my phone from the nightstand yet. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right in knowing where, where I'm going with this. I am going
1: somewhere very specific is, you know, I like probably the majority of listeners for many, many years. And it wasn't always like that, right? You go back 20 years, nobody had cell phones, right? Let alone brought them like into your bedroom. because They didn't have apps and things like that on them. You know, but I think over time we've become ingrained of like, oh, I'm just going to bring it in. And then, well, then what happens, right? I mean, You know, those of us that you know share our bed, you know, with with somebody else in our lives. You know, how often do we find ourselves interacting with that device instead of that person? Or, you know, is the the device the last thing we look at and the first thing we look at during the day? So, you know, for me, going back, it's probably about a year ago I took my phone out of bedroom. My my phone does not go into my bedroom anymore. And it was really difficult for me at first because I had all the excuses like, "Oh, my alarm is on. It. What if somebody calls?" Reality is, I set my phone as a setting on it where it goes into do not disturb from I think like nine thirty or ten o'clock at night till six in the morning. So even if somebody called, if they're not on my emergency contact list, I'm not going to hear it anyways. Nor do I want to take that call. If somebody calls me at eleven o'clock at night. Odds are, it's not somebody that I need to talk to. And if it is an emergency, I keep my phone in my office, which is two rooms down. So I'll hear it if they're calling you know, at two, three in the morning for some reason, if there is an emergency. But my phone does not go into my bedroom, man. That was really hard for me. But it was also one of the most powerful things that I've done, not just for my morning, but for my sleep in general.
0: So is that like, I mean, like you physically, you're not allowing yourself to take your phone into the bedroom. Like you've put up this kind of invisible barrier where it's not allowed. I'm just kind of getting an idea of like how intentional you are about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a charger in there. So I don't want to say it like, like there's a physical barrier and it just can't enter. Like if it's in my pocket during the day and I walk in there or whatever. But at night, my phone's home is at my desk in my office. It does not go into our bedroom. And even in the sense of like, if like hey, I'm just going to go lay down in bed, whatever, hang out for an hour. It doesn't come with me. So it does not enter the, the bedroom like that, which then takes away the evening temptation as well as the early morning temptation. The next temptation becomes now, okay, I get up, I do my routine, get myself ready, whatever. Now I enter my office. Now I have to focus on being intentional to not pick that device up during time that I've already blocked for for myself or for my business or something else.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. I struggle in the evening. I, I think this is, obviously, we didn't plan this, and I, but I think it's a great... These two things, I think, really set the entire day, the first hour in the morning and the hour before you go to bed. I've made the intention of not being on my phone the last hour before I go to bed. In other words, I'll read a little bit and, you know, kind of decompress before I go to bed. I mean, obviously, you can add in all the other studies about, like, blue screen and, you know, having dopamine hits before you go to bed and how it prevents you from getting good night's sleep. Even if you take all that stuff away just from like trying to decompress for the day, I've tried to do that. And that's one area where I struggle is where I the hour before I go to bed because I I am on my phone. And even though I I say, I'm just going to get on for five minutes, Robert, just going to get on for five minutes and check my notifications. And then 45 minutes later, I'm still on it, right? So I like the idea of not having it in your uh, bedroom. I think for me, I'm probably going to start with it just by putting the charger and everything on my dresser which is at the other end of the of the bedroom and see how that works i may have to move it out into the office and then if that doesn't work i may have to like put it in my safe or something i don't know that's <laughs> try to keep me from doing it but the first hour no phone this the last hour before the bed no phone i think if people just do that if that's all they did in their and their routine their daily routine like you said it would probably change the entire day. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, fully. I'm actually
1: curious what the breakup is a percentage. So basically, like you're saying, you're, you're now going to get two hours back of your, of your day. Not only that, but you're potentially going to go to sleep 30, 45 minutes earlier because it, you're not, you, know, you might set the intention of like, oh, I'm just going to check my notification for five minutes before I go to bed. You're targeting a 10, whatever, 10 o'clock bedtime. And then next thing you know, it's 10.45, 11 o'clock, 11.15, and you're putting your phone down and you're like, wow, I totally did not accomplish anything during that last hour. I wasted my time and I'm going to pay for this in the morning. I think you're, you're eliminating a lot of that and you're getting that time back for yourself, even if it's just decompressed and rest your, your mind and your body. And then in the morning, you're also doing the same. You're, you're allowing that time to be super intentional, to s- strategically set your day up to To go where you want, where you intended it for it to go. You're not letting somebody else control your day from the start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Every Every morning that I don't do my routine, I, I'm always slower to start the day. It always takes me longer to get motivated. Uh, you know, if I if I don't do my morning routine, just Just morning, for example, my alarm goes off at five a.m. and that's from five to six is my hour of no. You know, that's my getting ready. Well, this morning, the alarm went off at five a.m. I've been taking some some allergy medicines and it's been kind of knocking me out a little bit. So this morning I turn off my alarm. I say I'm going to lay here for two seconds. Fifty minutes later I wake up because I fell back asleep and I just wasted that whole that whole time of getting ready, right? So now I am in like, oh, I'm str-, you know groggy and sh- got to get going and try to get my day started right now because I didn't prep myself. And I think this is important that we need to go down too, but this is really about prepping yourself to be able to handle the day ahead. And if you don't, it's just like exercising. You know, if you're not exercising, you're not getting stronger, you're not getting uh, healthier. You have to prep your mind and you have to prep your, the, you know, your thoughts around what's going to happen that day. I think this is all fascinating stuff. I've, I've done a lot of research and stuff on it. I'm not the greatest at applying all of these in my life. I'm more of a, I'm very much a habit habit based person i started using a, an app on my phone to track my daily habits and i highly recommend this if you're not if you're listening and you don't track your habits at all i highly 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 recommend you track your habits because you'll realize that after a period of time of like how many things you say you want to do and you're not actually doing them after a period of time you know i can look at my habit tracker And whenever I see, you know, if I have a really good week, like where everything's clicking, I'm getting a lot done, very, very productive. I go back and look at my habits, and I'm, I'm hitting all my habits. I'm drinking my water. I'm getting up on time. I'm getting six, you know, eight hours of sleep. I'm exercising. I'm doing all these things that I've set, and it, it shows in my productivity level. It shows where I'm actually having success. But if I'm having a bad day or a bad week, and I go back and look, I'm like, oh, I didn't, didn't even do half my habits. Like I didn't even I didn't get to sleep on time. I didn't exercise. I didn't do these things. So I mean I I don't know about you if you track habits or not. Is that something you do or or no? I've definitely been through exercises
1: where I have intentionally tracked them for periods of time. I've been through 75 hard program a bunch of times, you know, stuff like that. I don't actively do that, but it is something that I'm very mindful of. And you bring up habits, it's not just habits cuz Habits could be positive and habits could be negative, right? We all have habits that are not helping us get to where we want to go. They're holding us back. So, you know, just kind of having that awareness around that, I think is really important.
0: Well, just to clarify on the like what I track on the habits, I mean it, it obviously I'm tracking good habits. I'm not really tracking bad habits, but you know, there's things like am I am I hydrating? Am I drinking my gallon of water a day? Am I exercising? Am I getting up on time? Am I getting the 6 to 8 hours of sleep? Am I meditating? Am I reading in the Bible? Am I Writing down twenty new ideas because that's that's an exercise I've recently started is every morning trying to write down twenty new ideas and that's really just to create to get creativity and kind of a goal setting thing in place and so things like that where and it's just with the habit tracker app and you guys can go on and there's like there's probably fifteen different habit tracker apps but basically it's like just a little checkbox so you just log into the app check did you hydrate yes did you meditate yes and it tracks it each day. I would recommend looking into that if you're listening to this uh, and you're wanting to like, figure out how you can optimize your, your time, I would recommend downloading a habit tracker app on your phone and really just doing it for a week to see how well you are at running your routine. Because I believe that most people think in their mind that they're doing better with their routine than they actually are. Do you think that's I mean, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's really easy to convince ourselves that we're doing all we can when in actuality most of the time we're not even close to our full potential. I think the conversation is very interesting. We're talking about possibly removing our phones from things like our bedrooms and and our daily interactions, but then at the same time, we're talking about putting like an app (laughs) on the phone to track your track your habits, right? Sure. You know? So the question is like, is it actually more conducive to just take out like a spreadsheet, a paper spreadsheet and start, you know, tracking them that way.
0: Yeah. And there, and there's lots of journals that do that stuff as well. Right. Like you, you put in there and I've, I don't remember if you were on the trip that uh, I went, we went with a group down to Nashville. Were you on that trip? No. Okay. We went to, we went and we saw a um, kind of a, I wouldn't say he's a business coach, more of like a life coach kind of person And he had this little booklet. It was like a like those little notepads that you would put in your pocket, you know, just like a little, I don't know, two by four inch spiral bound notebook. He had one made up that had like habits, essentially, habit tracker. And you would do that every day. You would you would write it down in the in this little notepad. So it's it's essentially it does the exact same thing as the phone app, except it's not on the phone. So I agree with what you're saying in terms of if we put Habit Tracker on your phone, then you're going to be more likely to be on your phone, you know, messing around with your phones, and it could be a distraction. So I think anyway, as long as you're tracking your habits of some kind, either on paper or on a phone, if you're disciplined, you'd be surprised at how much your daily routine will either change for the positive or how much you will realize you're not doing what you think you're doing. Like it'd be a wake-up call.
1: Yeah, in a way. I, I, and I think... it. You know it keeps going back to that that same thing of like telling us telling ourselves that we're doing all that we can. And I agree. tracking your habits of any capacity if you're not doing it, is valuable. But then what is the next step beyond that? right? And even right now, as I'm you know talking about you know we're talking about our phones, we're talking about tracking our habits and stuff like that. And in my head, I'm already thinking like, okay, where's the next place we're gonna, gonna take the conversation? And I'm violating one of right now, as we're sitting here, I'm violating one of my One of my core beliefs, which is like when I go sit down at a table at a meeting, so when I walk into a meeting with a client, I hit the do not disturb switch on my phone. I put it in my pocket, it does not come out, unless I'm taking pictures for company cam or something like that. I sit down at dinner, my phone never comes out, whether it's my family, a friend, meeting, whatever. I sit down with somebody for a business lunch or something like that, my phone never comes out. How many of us take our phone and put it out, right? you know, inadvertently, I'm sitting here in my office, we're talking, my phone is sitting next to me, my phone's dinging, it's beeping. I should have taken that thing and thrown it in the drawer. Right? Because even though my intention is not to be on the phone and give you 100% of my attention, this thing's over here vibrating, dinging, beeping. Now, all of a sudden, not only is my attention drawn away, but now, you know, you on the other end, how does that make you feel? Right? So we have to ask ourselves, you know, how does our unintentional actions are, are essentially our habits. Are, are, we don't even realize they're negative habits, but the habits that we've been ingrained or learned to have affect others. How does it make them feel, right? How does it make you feel if you go sit down with somebody, schedule a business, lunch, associate, a vendor, client, whatever, and they have their phone out the whole time? Or you're trying to sell a job to a client and they're like surfing around on their phone? Or I know we all get it. I got one the other day. Mid-call, mid-onboarding, whatever. Oh, I got to go. I got this more important thing I got to deal with. <laughs> like, at that point, we might as well just be like, we're good. Yeah. I'm like, forget it. You know, because clearly I'm not that important to you. So, you know, what is the, the unintended result of our actions, of our habits? And how can we be more intentional, mindful, self-aware of what it is that we're doing to yield more of the success and 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 target actions and reactions that we're ultimately
0: after. Oh, uh, yeah, 100% agree. I wanted to share a story that kind of like what you just said, and then I want to touch on mindful mindfulness, because I think that's a, that's a good route to go in. But I had an electrician at one time that I was using. He was a subcontractor of mine. Great guy. I know oh, his family, you know, just great person overall. And his, his electricians do great work. Had, I mean, in terms of what they do, they're phenomenal. But he was always distracted and very poorly used. I mean, he was not intentional with his time. And so, the phone was ringing all, this t- all the time. You know, I, it would take a month to get invoiced. I'd call him. He wouldn't call back for three days. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to schedule. Like, I need to know what time you're going to be there. When's your guy's going to show up to do this, you know, stuff. Well, he calls me one day. He's like, hey, man, I want to take you to lunch. I was like, all right, cool. I'm not going to turn down a free lunch. So, we went, and, we went to the restaurant, the sit-down restaurant. And while we're there talking his phone would ring, right? Because he didn't have it on silent. He had, and he had his phone sitting on the table, right? Which instantly, if you ever watch Simon Sinek, he talks about this, about what does that mean when you have your phone in your hand and stuff. And the phone rings and I'm not like, oh, you, you know, I have to have 100% of your attention. Like I'm that important. I mean, I understand it's business. You know, there may be this emergency or something, time sensitive. And he picks up the phone and it was like a customer. Like he's answering a customer's call, like a new client, not even an existing one. And he like does his little thing, and he gets off. he's like, "Oh, sorry, I, you know I had to take that or something. I don't remember what he said. a few minutes later, it rings again. He takes the call again. And so finally, after like two or three times of that happening over like a 30, 45 minute period, I said, "Hey, man, can I just tell you something?" He's like, "Yeah, what's up?" I said, y- "You asked me to come to lunch today because you're trying to build our relationship, right you You, you value my business and you're trying to to get me to to keep using you. And he goes, yeah, I mean, that's basically, I said, so then why are you answering your phone during this meeting? Because what you're showing me right now is that you actually don't care about me or my business. I'm not important enough for you to turn off your phone for 45 minutes to an hour to have a conversation. And he was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. He took his phone and he'll turn it on silent and put it in his pocket. But that's exactly what we're doing. When we, we like you're saying, we're like, we're telling everyone else around us you're not important to us right now. This little black box or whatever color phone you have is has all of our attention. And I think that's true. Like, like what we're talking about with routines. I mean, this little f- phone has now captured everyone's attention. So what I wanted to follow up with on what you said about mindful, and I think I didn't learn really about mindfulness until probably a year and a half ago, to almost two years ago. I actually hired a coach to help me with my mindset because I was, I had a lot of negative beliefs. I had a lot of head trash around certain things around money and what you can charge. And so I hired this, if you want to call him a head coach or what, you know, mind coach, whatever, mindset coach. And he helped me some things. Now he was more of like, this particular person was more along the lines of like a, um, you know, yoga, yogi type person, you know, more spiritual type, all that stuff, which I'm not going to get into on this show, but that's fine. But he was talking about mindfulness and he started introducing this to me. And I'm just curious before I, before we kind of dive into this, what is your thought on mindfulness or being mindful? Like that's a loaded question. (laughs) I mean, I mean, for me, like mindfulness
1: is kind of in in line with self-awareness, right? So I think really what it comes down to is it very often is the gap between stimulus and response, right? So there's some sort of trigger, there's some sort of sign uh, out there in the world, and then there's the response that's warranted. It's our ability to differentiate the stimulus from the response and have them not necessarily be tied together. They can be tied together, but your response does not necessarily need to be directly tied to the stimulus and that's where we started in the beginning of the conversation is you get to choose but that intention that mindfulness that self-awareness is the ability to say i'm receiving a stimulus i either need to or feel like i want to respond react let me take a breath let me assess the situation and this is all happening at light speed right, right. let me decide you know this is what my my stomach is saying I should do. And this is what my mind is saying what I should do. And, you know, the third part, the little man on my shoulder is saying like, hey, you know, this is how you want to react, but really the appropriate thing to do, the professional thing to do, or the politically correct thing to do in this situation is to do this, right? And the ability to catch ourselves in that moment and... It doesn't necessarily have to have a, a, like a time gap, but the ability to break that bond between stimulus and response to create more of the uh, intended results that we're
0: after. Yeah, that's a, that's a much more in-depth explanation of what I was thinking. <laughs> so, but you said the key word, which is awareness. If I had to simplify what mindfulness is, it's simply being aware of your thoughts throughout the day so like if you're driving down the road guy cuts you off in traffic you know your initial thought may be to throw up the number one you know best finger yell at him honk your horn whatever that's a reaction right which is what you said that's a reaction to the stimulus but in mindfulness you're aware that you're getting ready to have this reaction and it's you know it's cognitively cognitively is that how you say that being cognizant of your, or cognate. I can't, I shouldn't, u- I shouldn't use words that I don't know how to pronounce on the podcast. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it makes you aware of the fact that you're thinking this. And, and even if you say it, like, even if you react, it's then after the fact of saying, oh, I just had a reaction. Like, I just had some kind of reaction to a stimulus. And now, you know, I don't want to have that reaction. So now I'm aware of the fact that I do that naturally. So maybe next time it happens, I may be more aware and be able to stop myself before that happens, right? So that's kind of how I define mindfulness. And there's all kinds of things you can do. But the, one, of the, one of the things that my mindset coach helped me with is that he gave me, a, it's just a simple piece of paper, you know, Excel form, whatever, and it has columns. And it's basically a mindful mindfulness tracker. It's just like a habit tracker and you would at the end of each day you would simply write down like here's an event that happened here was the thought that i had and was you know what was my you know did i catch it ahead of time did i react whatever and you just start tracking that and you'll be surprised of like what's like what you go through in one day's period of how many times we just react without thinking right because it's a, it's a habit or it's a it's just our what we're used to And so, I think people would be, I think most people, if they're still listening to this podcast right now, we're 30 minutes in, if they're still listening to us, I think most people would be shocked, like really shocked. Because I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, Robert, but I'm pretty sure you're the same as me. I think most people would be shocked at how much energy goes into being intentional throughout my day. Like, I'm super intentional about little things that don't even matter like how I open a door. Like I'll be intentional about, am I opening the door the most efficient way? Am I standing in the right spot? Am I If I'm out in public, am I in someone's way? Like I'm constantly nonstop. My brain is going in an intentional manner of how can I be more aware? How can I be more grateful? Whatever, like how can I be, you know, less of a burden to someone else just constantly on? Like the brain wakes up in the morning, I turn on the switch, and then I'm very intentional about everything I do all day long. I'm going to guess that you're kind of the same way, but why don't you tell me? I want
1: to cry my entire life. I thought I was the only one whose brain was <laughs> working not. that way. You're not, Robert. <laughs> it's it, it's exhausting. It's it's exhausting. <laughs> it, it, no, I and and I think that all those little micro moments uh, create adjustments to ultimately ask ourselves like how are we best aligning ourselves to get where we want? And, you know, those are all things on a micro scale. And I I can relate exactly like where you're standing, like, hey, I'm about to open this door. Are my feet in the best position? Or is the door going to whack my toes? Is that going to cost me an extra tenth of a second? Is my hand in the right spot? You know, like, you know, I mean, you know, we're getting a little deep there into the door opening. But I mean, these are things that are like subconsciously, you know, we're always asking the question, like, is this the best I can do for this situation. But then also asking ourselves, so those are the things that we've done a bazillion times. We've all opened doors more times than we could possibly count. But then what about the things in our lives that maybe we don't have as much experience in, we don't have as many repetitions in, or are a lot more at scale, right? How do we break down those things into the little granular steps? That's something I work with a lot of my team is, you know, a lot of times we see this big mountain or this big journey or this big thing we're, we're trying to work through. And for somebody that's not able to compartmentalize the steps that go into that, because maybe their brain isn't accustomed to thinking of all the micro levels that go into it, or they're not seeing all the micro steps that go into it, it seems like a daunting task. So very often what happens is there's no change because the the gap from where they're at to where they want to get to is just too large. It's trying to think, what is that Jonah Berger? He calls it the movable middle. You know, you got you to gotta have those little steps, but it's not getting up to bat and taking home run swings all the time. It's all the little micro things that go into it. As, are my feet in the right position? Is my hand touching the doorknob at the right position? Am I positioning myself at, at the right time? Is there an unattended effect if I sit down for lunch with somebody and I leave my phone on the table? These are all the little micro things that go into the end result. And when we talk about like being intentional and we talk about yielding the results that you want, it's not that like you or me or anybody else that, you know, has accomplished anything in their lives sat down and we just took a million home run swings and we just connected more than the other people, or we just got that lucky ball. And I used to think that way, is that like, you know, someday I'm just going to get that, that meatball and I'm just going to smash it out of the park and. That's gonna be my that's gonna be my saving grace and it's gonna make everything I've done and all the pain I put my family through all worthwhile. When in reality, that meatball is never coming. What it is is the intention to work on all the little micro things daily on the minute, on the second, all those little things compounded over time that get stacked up, where finally one day you you open that door and it doesn't hit your toe, you know? And you don't have to think about it either. Well, yeah, and that part too is you start working on the little things, right? So, you know, you could look at any component of life, whether it's business, personal, fitness, health, mindset, whatever, and you know, you could look at it as as the mountain, or you could look at it as the big things, you know, or the little things that go into it, right? It's you know, I mean, I don't know. Let's say you want to lose weight or something like that. You could look at it as, hey, I got to lose whatever a hundred pounds. Just just a it's a fictitious number. It doesn't mean anything. Well, there's a bunch of things you can do to do that. it's gonna vary a little bit by person. But what are the micros of that? You know, assess your your daily routines, your exercise, what time you wake up, how much water you drink, your nutritional intake, you know, all those things that go into that. And you start looking at those on a on a granular scale, right? You start with something that's doable. Right. You don't go from like, hey, I'm drinking six gas station sodas a day to I'm gonna drink zero and start eating healthy all in one day. You say, hey, Tomorrow, I'm going to do five. Or next time I go, I'm not going to get the fifth one. I'm going to get the four. I'm only going to do four today. And you start making little improvements. And then you stick with that consistently. That's your habit. You start forming habits, right? And I don't care what any of these programs tell you. You can't form habits in two, three, four weeks. It takes, it takes months to form habits. I mean, when I was going through like the 75 hard program, I think I went through it four times before some of the stuff started sticking. And even then, you know, so you're talking about a year and even then it takes intention like to sit down in the morning and be like, okay, I have my phone on one side of me. I can turn it on or I can pick up my book and I can read it. What am I going to do today? You know, what, what choice am I going to make, right? It's not, it's not like opening a door where I've been doing it since I was three years old. It's, you know, something that takes a lot more thought process to make that right decision and ask myself, what is the intended result? And what is the unintended result if I make the wrong decision?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I like to use the illustration. Anytime I can talk about shooting, I always like to bring this up. So, I think you know I do competitive shooting. But in shooting, if you're starting out, there's there's a lot of different things. You got to draw a pistol from the holster. You got to aim. You have to reload. You have to move, like run. You have to pull a trigger. All these different actions, right? a lot of people when they're, when they're starting out, they want to just shoot fast, but you have to get the fundamentals down. You have to get the big things down. So in terms of in competition, it's all based off of time and scoring. So you have to be quick and accurate, right? But the main thing is time. And so the two biggest things that you do in shooting that take up the most time are drawing your pistol and reloading magazines. Those are the two most time-consuming things. And so when you're starting out, you're not trying to shave a tenth of a second or a thousandth of a second off of your, you know, how fast you pull a trigger. You're trying to save an, a second or, a, or two seconds off of your draw. And so you focus on the big things first, which is kind of what you're what you were talking about. Like you don't look at the whole thing like, oh, I have to... You know, I shot a match and this guy that beat me was 10 seconds faster on this one stage. I got to shave 10 seconds off my time. You don't start with trying to uh, pull a trigger faster because that may only save you a hundredth of a second, maybe even a thousandth of a second. You start with the big chunks, which is drawing, because that could save you one to two seconds right there. And then reloading could save you one to two seconds. So you could save four seconds on two different actions by practicing those two things and getting really good at them when you get to the higher level of shooting when you're up at the top of the of the food chain if you will now you start diving down and trying to shave a tenth of a second off of your draw now you're trying to save a thousandth of a second off how fast you pull the trigger but what's interesting in shooting is that 90% of your time savings is in non-shooting activities It's not actually pulling the trigger, which is what most people think. And so in business, a lot of us think that, you know, like hitting a home run, like you were saying earlier with baseball, is what saves you in business. So we're trying to hit home runs every time. In baseball, it's getting base hits. Base hits wins game, right? In shooting, it's the non-shooting activities that shave time. And I think a lot of contractors and a lot of people get hung up on like this huge... Like, oh, I got to do this massive thing right here. I got to land this one job that's going to be a $100,000 you know gross profit type job. But they're losing money on all these little $10,000 jobs that they're not doing right. They're not pricing right because they're trying to swing for this one big job. And they don't have good processes in place. They don't have a good team. And so they get that $100,000 gross profit job and they waste like $30,000 of that through inefficiencies and all of the things that they would have perfected if they had practiced it on those little $10,000 jobs. You know what I mean? Does that make sense or am I just like randomly talking in circles?
1: Not I mean to me it makes 100% sense. You know, I'm curious curious how the audience interprets it, right? I see this all the time. And I, and I think a lot of times it shows up in ways that we might not always realize, right? How many times have you heard a prospect or somebody on a Facebook page, like I had a guy lined up, you know, I had the quote unquote contract, you find out it was a verbal agreement or whatever, but I had the guy lined up, I went on vacation, I came back and he fell off the face of the planet. Did he really fall off the face of the planet or was the communication lacking from the get-go He thought he was giving you a good deal. He had a little bit of a a lull in his schedule. He didn't communicate, hey, I got to get this done in the next three weeks while I have this lull. Otherwise, I'm booked out for six months while I take this $100,000 gross profit job. And then you went on vacation. You dragged your heels a little bit on the decision. You get back from vacation. You're like, I'm ready to go. This guy's moved on to the next thing. He's on to the real profit job. He thought he was throwing you a bone. right? But like all that Most people don't pick on that. So then what happens is they're like, oh, the contractor fell off the face of the earth and no, 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 whatever. And as contractors, you know, I I think a lot of times we lie, cheat, and steal from ourselves as well and our businesses and our families and our employees, you know, because we're like, oh, well, you know, I got this lull and I'm going to offer this person a good deal. It's not our job to offer people a good deal. It's not our and And I don't want that to be misinterpreted the wrong way. You know, I think most of us feel like we're offering a fair service for the value that we provide in the world. Right. But it's not our job to save them money. It's not our job to be like, Hey, on paper, this is a $10,000 job, but I have this, this need to fill a little bit of labor production shortage over the next three weeks. So therefore I'm going to, I'm going to give it to them for nine because they're going to sign at nine. And then they're like, let me think about it. And then
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. three <right? laughs> weeks later, they and call you.
1: Three weeks later, they call you. They're ready to go at nine and you're like, well, I'm booked. I I just started my hundred thousand dollar gross profit job. I can't. I I'm not even going to call you back. I'm not even going to give you the courtesy to be like, hey, I, you know, I'm sorry, I miscommunicated. You know, I can't get manpower over there for a while now because of X, Y, Z reason. They just don't call him back. Yeah. So then they go on the rant on the Facebook page, and this guy fell off the face of the earth, and don't hire him, and whatever. And then you know, as as the the contractors, like all all people are pains in the asses, and they're just wasting our time. But well, really, what it comes down to is not being intentional with our, with our actions in business and personal and respecting our
0: time and all those things that go into that from the get-go. Uh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I think we all know what you're talking about, like trying to fill in gaps. But you have to be super cl- clear on that, right? It's like, hey, Mr. Customer, I'll give you a $1,000 discount but you have to decide like by tomorrow and we have to start in three days. If we can't start in three days, then I can't do the job for you and there's no discount. Like that's being intentional with how you're talking to your client and not just like thinking that because they called you like, hey, we're in a hurry, we really need to get this done. And you go, okay, I'll do it. We can do it. We can start tomorrow and then they don't call you back for a week. Like just because they think, you think they're in a hurry, that means they're going to like, what does hurry mean? Like to them, a hurry may mean we need to get this done in the next month. You're thinking they want it started tomorrow, right? Being intentional with how you ask them questions and how you clarify what they're actually talking about. There's so much of that is really more communication, right? Like being effective at communication, right? But it's the intention behind that is what's important. Are you intentional with every single thing you do in your business? Are you intentional with how you interact with your clients? Are you intentional with how you interact with your team, how you lead? Like all of those things come down to one, how serious are you about your business? Like, and I, my last podcast or two podcasts ago was three reasons you're not winning. And the number one reason people don't win is because they don't decide to win. They simply don't make the decision in their mind that this is it. Like I'm all in on this job, this, this business, no matter what it takes to get there, I'm all in. And when you have that type of mindset, then everything kind of falls in place of like, well, if I want to be all in and I want to win, what does it take to get there? What does it take to win in this business? And then you start looking at it, well, I have to be intentional with everything I do. It's not going to fall on your lap. You know, you're not going to wake up one day and everything's fixed. Like everything in your business that happens is your fault, whether it's good or bad, it's your fault. And when you have that intentional, outlook on how things happen, you'll start to see almost with like, you almost like have an out-of-body experience where you can start to see how your daily actions are either helping you get to that point or they're hurting you and keeping you from getting to that point. Would you agree with that statement of like, when you, when you have like a full 100% understanding of being intentional, that you can kind of see how that plays out in your life? Right back to the beginning is you get to
1: choose. So I think the challenge is like, I, I don't know if you ever figure it out. I don't know if you ever reach like, hey, I'm 100% intentional with everything. It's, it's just the awareness, the mindfulness to always be asking the question, You know, what else, what else can I be doing that I'm not doing?
0: Well, there's a, you've, I'm sure you've read books and stuff people talk about, is what I'm about to do going to get me closer to my goals or not? right like that's just a very simple question to ask yourself i'm getting ready to jump on i'm i'm at, i'm working on the job i got a 10 minute you know 15 minute break or i'm on my lunch break i got time now i can jump on tiktok and get caught up on all my tiktoks for the next hour or can i return some phone calls back to clients or can i get some materials ordered right like there's like being mindful and having the intention Uh, The intentionality, if that's even a word, I don't know, but being intentional about how you're going to spend that time, and you know, being aware of that, like, is is what I'm going to do going to further my path to my goal or not? Are are we going to have bad days? Hundred percent. Things going to happen in life that knock you off. Yeah, I recently lost a good friend in in a in an accident, and that that knocked me off. I mean, it you know, it was a good three three to four week detour of my daily routines because I was struggling with that. I was, I was going through a depression. I was grieving. Like that stuff happens in life, but you can't stay there. Like even while I'm not being productive, even while I'm, I'm conscious that I'm wasting my time each day, it's still in the back of my mind of, okay, you're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to you know go through this process, but you're not allowed to stay here. Like you can't stay here forever. You know, you're allowed to have a, a few days, a few weeks, whatever to get through this process, but you can't live there the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean,
1: in a way it's, it's being intentional with your time in that respect, right? It's, it's being intentional to give yourself time for the grieving or, or give yourself time for your mental reset, right? It's essentially saying it's okay to allocate percentage of my day or my week or my time towards this purpose because that's all part of the process that I need to move my ball further down the field, right? Because if you don't, if you're not able to allocate some of that with intention, then what happens is it manifests itself in other ways, which ultimately is counterproductive to where you're trying to
0: go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we could go on for hours, Robert, I think about this topic. Well, we're coming up on... Uh... 50 minutes. So I want to I want to stay under an hour. I just had a couple more questions for you. And I always like to ask this question or two, these two questions. One is, what would you say to a contractor or anybody listening about just in general about being intentional? Like maybe a, a tip, a takeaway, a thought just around being intentional in your life? That's a hard one. Uh, you, you never arrive, right? I
1: mean, I, I think to the degree of our of what we talked about over this podcast, it's the little things, it's the micro things, right? Assess the basics, right? Before you go looking at the big broad things, right? Try taking your phone out of the bedroom. Try putting your charger in a different room, leave it in the kitchen, leave it in your office, leave it in your closet or your bathroom, but get it off your nightstand, get it out of your bed, right? Ask yourself twice before, you know, you're getting ready to check out at the end of the day, Am I really going to, to have another email at 10 or 10 30 at night that I didn't have at nine o'clock at night when I checked it last? Right. And if I do, what is the what is the need, the urgency that, or the likelihood that I'm gonna have to respond right now? Or can it wait till the morning? How is this impacting me? It's it's the little things. Start looking at the little things and then asking yourself, you know, how can I separate this? Is it, is everything? this five alarm emergency that I'm making it out to be or do I really just need to learn to put some small things on the back burner, at least for a couple hours.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great takeaway, especially like checking the emails. Like <laughs> an hour difference is not going to make all the difference. An hour later is not going to make all the difference. So that's, that's some really good advice. Last question, Robert, what book are you reading right now? Or what's, what's one that you would recommend? You know, I feel like a lot of
1: times these conversations, they, they go around with what's going on in our world <laughs> sure. at, at the moment. Right. So, you know, our conversation started off with the phone and, you know, yesterday I was on this kick with one of my coaches about, you know, he was leaving his phone out on the table and it was really bothering me. <laughs> and then the day before I had watched the Simon Sinek video you were talking about, about, you know, the phones are destroying our relationships. And right now the book I'm reading is The One Thing by Gary Keller. Yeah. And it, it talks about a lot of, of what, we're, what we're talking about today. It's, it's being intentional about, about essentially one thing, right? You know, what is the one thing that's going to move the needle forward? And there's a lot of components that go into that, so I'm not going to rehash the book for you. But definitely check it out. It's, what I like about it is, so I, I read every morning as part of my intentional routine, or at least try to. It doesn't always work out that way. The chapters are very short. You know, There's six, eight, more than 10 pages so it's something that you can sit down every minute every morning and allocate even if like you're not a really strong reader allocate 10 or 15 minutes to, and it's not going to have a drastic effect on your day but what it will do is get your mind going in the right track before you get on social before you open up your emails and things like that so.
0: yeah i've read that book it's a really good book it's been a while since i have read it i may have to go back and read it again but uh Well, Robert, I appreciate you being on the show and having this great conversation. Hopefully it's been helpful for those of you that have been listening. Give me your uh, feedback. Leave us a comment. Uh, Go and and, uh, let me know. Come to our social platforms, our Facebook groups. You know where to find us. You can search for Hammer and Grind Podcast. I'm on TikTok, Discord, Facebook, Instagram, all those Hammer and Grind Podcasts. You can reach out to me if you want to see how uh, we can connect and help you in your business. Until next time, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. You know what to do, be the best version of you.